Decorating Pages is a podcast dedicated to taking you behind the scenes of the designs of your favorite TV shows and films. Each episode, I'll be sharing design stories from some of Hollywood's most famous sets, interviews from set decorators, production designers, directors, and actors about creating the look of TV and film, about their design inspirations, and stories that take sets from page to screen. Hello, and welcome to Decorating Pages. I'm your host, Kim Wanup. I don't have COVID, <laughs> but I do have a wicked cold. I think it's the flu. I was trying to get this interview up earlier this week, and I had no voice. So I'm not going to make you listen to this voice for too long. I'm going to jump right into the second part of the interview with director Craig Zisk. But I just want to say I hope everyone stays safe and healthy. And thank you so much for listening um, in these last four seasons. Looking forward to 2022 and season five of Decorating Pages. So yeah, Uh, in this interview, the second part, Craig and I talk about, as a director, how he sees how he's going to shoot a scene when he reads a script. And he gives a great example of a one-er shot that he came up with for the show Smash. We also talk about... Uh, directors being kind of visitors on some shows where you come in for one episode and how that plays off of all the other creative uh, positions uh, on the show. The importance of a tone meeting, which (laughs) I've been doing this for how long and I kind of know what a tone meeting was, but he really let me know what was going on in there. We discussed the show Cop Rocks, which if you are lucky enough to have caught Cop Rocks in the early 90s, it was a, it was like a musical, but like cop show where they would just sing things. And it was so weird, but so innovative and interesting. And he gives a great tidbit that I never knew that the actors actually sang like it wasn't pre-recorded. So we talk all about that. That was fascinating. We talk about Larry Sanders, Brave New World, The Looming Tower. He's been directing for 30 years and is still excited about every single project and a hell of a nice guy. And I really hope I get to work with him again. So I hope you enjoy. So, I mean, you've had, you did like American Dreams, Smash, Wu-Tang. I don't know, I wouldn't put Cop Rock in there, but... (laughs) When you have the original, I know. Well, yeah, but it wasn't like, wasn't like performances like Smash or American Dreams right. or I'm assuming Wu Tang gets into them performing. Yes. Yeah, exactly. I, that's that to me is hard. Like I forget. I talked to the production designer on Smash, and now I don't remember the name. Yeah, um, was it Kalina? Uh, or maybe I talked to the decorator. I yeah. forget, but I know I talked to someone about Smash because I was like, I watched yeah. every episode, I loved it, I can't believe you did that. <laughs> no, I don't remember because I'm an yeah. asshole. But um, I would think it's hard to try to direct that because you got to direct like a music video in the middle of your show. I mean, it, and and yeah. and it's and with like an American Dreams when you're doing like a bandstand and you're some of them trying to replicate actual footage, that's got to be hard. It is hard. That's where I know to rely on the 
Um, the Kate List is you smash as an example. We got, you know, the best songwriters in the world. <laughs> got, right. right. You know, Mark Shaman is writing the yeah. music, uh, with his partner. Um, I've got this incredible choreographer. Um, David Mullen is the director of photography who I've worked with on a, a series I produced. He's incredible. So that's when, yes, I have to have a vision to kind of launch everybody. But when you work with really quality individuals, they want to step up as much as you want them to step up right. and they find the joy in your joy. So I remember there was a, a scene that um, in one of the episodes of Smash that I directed where they're all sitting around, I think it's Deborah Messing's apartment and, and uh, she and her partner are like sitting there. On the piano? <laughs> yeah, on the piano, exactly. They sit around the piano and people start singing and it turns out to be a Leslie Odom Jr. song. Mm -hmm. And they're like, oh, you know, it's very smash appropriate. Oh, remember that song we wrote? That never <laughs> yeah. made it? They start playing and, and I really wanted to do it as a wonder. I wanted to shoot the whole oh, wow. thing in this apartment as a wonder. And so I told Josh, the choreographer, and this is what I'm thinking. And I talked to David Mullen and said, you know, I know how you light, you light so beautifully, but it's very specific. And is that something you're comfortable with? If we have to kind of do a general light on the whole place, he got excited by it. Uh, the person who got the most excited by it was our Steadicam operator, Jeff, mm -hmm. Moldock, who's one of the best I've ever worked with. And we worked it out and Josh, the choreographer worked with Leslie and said, okay, we're going to, and I told him, this is what we're going to do. And, and it was such a joy and everybody was like oh here's the day this is the day we're doing this and leslie had been rehearsing forever and and it went through the whole apartment and people are like throw him a cane and a hat and he dances <laughs> and he jumps off the furniture and and it it was so much fun to do and i just kind of started with i want to do it as a wonder because it seems like song was open to that and i can see the whole apartment and it won't be everybody just standing around the piano and the creator got excited by it and everybody just got excited. And then, you know, Josh would send me videos and like, here's what we've worked on so far. What do you think? And I'm like, Oh my God, this is amazing. But can he go in this door instead of this door? Can right. he stay here longer? And, and then I'd show the video to Jeff and say, what do you think? And he goes, Oh, this is great. And I can come around the back of him here. And so, you know, yes, I, sometimes I'd be like, well, what if you came over here? But for the most part, Jeff designed what he was going to do based on what, Leslie was doing, which was from what Josh had come up with. And so it was, and then David's like, yeah, I can light from here and, you know, he can come in through here and that'd be great. And so it's, it's really a collaboration. And so what, what made you think, what made you think it was a one -er? Like as a director, you just saw, when you read that, you thought I can see yeah. this and I yeah, see it. It's exactly. I could see it when I read, I tend to, Normally I read a script, I read it once and I just read it. I read it as an audience member. I read it to kind of just see what it is. Just kind of, it's kind of like, you know, kind of the beginnings of a painting where you're just mm -hmm. kind of doing broad brushstrokes over a canvas just to figure out what it's going to be. Or maybe it's even just the sketch of a, whatever you're going to paint and then you're going to paint over it. 
and then so but you but when i read it i can see it and i know when i read something and i can't see it a lot of times it's in the writing not mm. to say that no i don't uh, see I know, but, I know but it's mean. like i can't like it's very directing is very mathematical to me it's angles it's i can see the numbers i can kind of i just picture it all like i'm looking at a formula right and with that one when i read it I can't remember what was in the script, but I think it was kind of one of those, oh, they're all sitting around the piano singing. And it's long. It's a three-minute song, three-and-a-half-minute song. And I just felt like, oh, wouldn't it be really fun? Or maybe it said he walks into the living room where there are people sitting on a couch. Whatever it was, it just felt like I could do this in 12, 14 pieces of coverage. And it's going to be a lot of static shots and maybe one dolly shot to bring them in, or I can try and incorporate something in, in the episode. It did get broken up. I did tell them I will shoot some reaction shots because they wanted some reaction shots. I was going to ask that. Did the, did the editor go along with it? <laughs> yeah. The editor liked it. I, in my cut, it was a wonder. <laughs> and then, uh, I don't know if the editor told me or the showrunner or somebody said, Oh, we did use some of those close-ups you shot just to, because there are four or five different cast members in the scene. Even yeah, it's that's just a lot. Singing. For one uh, I, mean, there are, I think there are 20, 25 people in the apartment. Oh, and, oh right. But because Leslie, because there are all these other people in the scene, they wanted to feel their presence. And it was hard to incorporate all of those people at the same time as following Leslie around the room. So I understood why, but they said, go for it. And, and uh, but I... I think when I read it the first time, you know, I was kind of just rough sketching in. I was just like, you know, this feels like this could be really fun. And I don't tend to go into things being like, I haven't read the script yet, but I'm going to find a wonder in here. You know, yeah. I don't, I don't try, to force it. That way. I try to let the script tell me what the shots are. And in that case, when I read it, I just, it, the scene just said, this would be really fun if you just follow him around the whole apartment and you lose him for a couple of seconds. And, and so there, I think there were a couple other people dancing with him. It was just, it felt alive and I knew that and the song was great. So I felt like it needed a lot of life to it. That's yeah. kind of came to, to doing that one. God, I love that show. I just I did too. I, I said so it was fun. fun I, I, I don't remember the time. I just remember being like, Oh, it's a fun show. It's yeah. a fun show. It's shot in New York. And yeah. Shot in Times Square and right in the middle it of It felt Times Square. rich. It felt like a lot of money is being put into this it and was. I can there see it. Yeah. I see it there in the costumes. I can see it in the sets. Like they're really, someone really loves this project. Yeah. <laughs> or NBC Black. really loves this project, yeah. I should say. Bob was running NBC at the time and he had been at Showtime for many years where I worked for seven years on four different projects and knew Bob well and it was a project that he actually had developed at Showtime and when he left Showtime to become the head of NBC he had I think this is how the story goes had asked Showtime if he could take that show with him it would have been better on Showtime producer (laughs) on top of being this incredible executive and and really super person um so it was a real passion project for him so he really wanted that show and he wanted it to succeed and he wanted it to succeed by giving us a decent amount of money to make it so the blast yeah you got kind of whatever you wanted yeah it was was fun and it was funny and like 
and the actors were great. Oh, and yeah. So talented. I couldn't believe. And they worked so hard because they had to go. They had to shooting. dance and sing and, like, probably record those songs and yeah. then, like, now. Re record all the songs. They had to go off. So they'd shoot, you know, try to. Megan Hilty would be in, you know, the oh, eight days okay. or nine days of shooting or 10 days. I don't remember how many days it was. Would be in. You know, three or four days of shooting. You're like, oh, well, she's got six days off. Oh, those other six days, she what? She was doing her dance routines. She was doing pre-records. She was doing, you know, these gigantic costume fittings because of the stuff they were doing. So it was a full-time job for all of those actors because they didn't have any time off. I mean, they were if they weren't on set, they were rehearsing something else. I mean, I kind of almost wish it stayed at showtime. <laughs> I know it would have been a different show, for sure. I, I might have lasted a little longer, though. Maybe. Yeah, for sure. But it was one of my favorite experiences. I loved doing that show. Um, I was just trying to look up who. No, I don't know who I. I was trying to look up who I interviewed. Who did the um? Oh, Kalina, I don't yeah, know. Kalina. Yes. Yeah. Who? She's who great. did um? God, that HBO show that I just watched and loved too. God, she's so she. I just interviewed her like a couple months ago. And now I. Oh really? <laughs> yeah, she's amazing. Yeah. I've worked with her on a couple of different series, and she's she's one of the best. She's a whip. When yeah. she she was like talking to me, I was just, she was a whip. I loved it. I was like, can I just work? Can I just like hang out with you? Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, she's awesome. And yeah. Just, I mean, that's that's what's fun about the job is you get to create all these new worlds all the time and you just work with such talented craftspeople who care as much about their job as you do and are really we're all there to serve the purpose of making a great show and and you know it's there aren't a lot of professions where you really just love what you do I mean there are days yeah. when it's not and there are days when it's hard and there are days that I wish I were doing something else. But for the most part, I mean, I've been directing for 30 years and I'm still as excited as I was the first time I did Brooklyn Bridge and walked in and tried to figure out where to put a camera. And, yeah. there's, you know, I've, I created a triangle with the actors and how do I shoot this? And, you know, it's, <laughs> it's, it's like thrilling. And I still feel that way. I mean, I, we just worked together on yeah. a show and, you know, it's still trying to figure it out and it's still the excitement of how do we make something funny or how do we make this funny thing funnier or what do we do and we have a great party scene that we got to do and yeah, you know, talk about balloons and we get to talk about food and <laughs> balloons. Music and it's just it's just it's fun. It's I, really fun. I, I it is it is and it's I had one thing I was gonna say this yeah. when someone like someone like you comes in to direct and the confidence and 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 because I have worked with you before luckily um it's different than you can see sometimes um like a visiting director comes in and they're really nervous or they're yeah. really kind of like they thought they knew <laughs> I I hate it I've seen it a, a lot lately in the shows that I've done that the director will say like oh we're setting up the scene like this and like either the showrunner or someone else and then they're like that's not that's not what we're going for here and you're like eh, shouldn't you guys yeah. have talked before we got here in, in front of all of us like <laughs> not that it's super embarrassing or whatever but it's like 
uh, that's probably the worst thing you could say to that guy who just set up this whole shot. And now, yeah. now you're coming over like, that's not what we mean by this at all. Like, and you're like, Ugh. yeah, you do hope it's talked about beforehand. <laughs> yeah. That's why I do love prep for this reason. I mean, I know a lot of directors don't like to prep because they feel like it's boring and no, yeah, not... it's not the most exciting thing in the world, but I do. I want to, we have such limited time on set yeah. that I just want to spend my prep getting every question answered that can possibly be answered. It's impossible. You can't. You never know what's going to come up. It's one of the joys and tragedies of this job is that bad stuff happens and you have to deal with it. But if I can eliminate all the known problems or questions before we get there and talk about how I'm going to block a scene and make sure the showrunner likes what we're doing because I don't want to spend 10 minutes no. or a half hour reblocking or discussing something and there's always things to discuss on set because you're rehearsing it for the first time for real even though you've done table read the actors are actually performing yeah, it's completely different that comes up but you need the time for that to happen and if you're still talking about, you know, the drape colors or, God, I wish we had. Oh, I hope not. <laughs> somebody scramble and go get. And look, I've done this to you. I'm like, oh, wouldn't it be great if we had this? No. Somewhere, but, right. And that's what sometimes happens. It would have but... been great if you asked me five days ago. <laughs> right, exactly. Yeah, you don't need me to come up with it now. But, yeah, but, like, just stuff happens that you don't think oh, of. Oh, yeah. Nobody thinks of. and. Like, like we had this balloon thing that we did. I keep bringing up the balloons. We had this balloon arch and it's supposed to sag. And we talked about it in prep and we got there and it was like, oh yeah, that's supposed to sag. And how do we make it look like it's sagging without looking like it's too saggy and yeah. not too sad? And we're talking about the happiness. Sad balloons. balloons. And... and you came up with, oh, here's what we're going to do. We're going to do this, this, and this. And I was like, oh, great. There it's done. But it's just something we hadn't thought of before we stepped on the, on the set and looked yeah. at it. And, you solved it there's so seconds. much i mean there's wardrobe to consider like a big scene like that yeah. you had a dance move you had balloons you had like a room yeah. full of extras like it was a big party scene i it's a lot and you don't i mean even in even in meetings i've been in a in, a, in a various meetings of scripts and someone will ask a question and the writer is like oh, yeah i don't know i don't yeah. know how he got there or <laughs> like oh oh yeah and I, is it the same day and you're like, bro, you wrote this. Like, yeah. <laughs> you're not know it's the same day. Like, <laughs> yeah, this is uh, the scene right before the, the one we're talking about. And this happens. Oh, yeah, right, right, right. Yeah, it's... But you I guys do, which which I, I'm not a part of, and I kind of always thought that the designer should be a part of is the tone meeting, mm-hmm. which is usually the director and the writer and showrunner and you guys go over the episode, and I don't know what goes on in there. <laughs> like... Yeah, so the tone meeting is, it's the time for, it's normally the showrunner and or writer of the episode, the director, the first AD, the editor. And wow. um, in on some shows, some shows don't use the editor or don't have the first AD, but I like all of them to be there. What you're doing is you're doing a, page by page examination of the script where it's my opportunity to say, Hey, I'm going to shoot that scene as a winner. <laughs> what do you think of that? Yeah. And so I now know I'm getting the approval so they don't show up on the set and go, what are you doing? And I'm like, well, I've been practicing this winner for five days. <laughs> right. 
between four pieces of coverage. Um, so that's part of the meeting. But the other part of the meeting is the writer explaining the small nuances of the scene to the director so that, you know, the director, in this case, me, I know sometimes the history that I may not know that. Or the you know, arc the, oh, the, that's about to happen. Yeah. yeah. Right. I see. Exactly. Yeah. Or here's what, here's the meaning of this scene. So yes, this is a scene about this on its surface, but really what's happening is this. A lot of the times it's obvious, and, but a lot of the times it's not, or you're hearing something like you said that, oh, just so you know, these two characters get together in three episodes. They don't know it yet, but. Right. So that's yeah. going to affect your directing or sh shouldn't it? Like maybe you shouldn't yeah. know that so that the character, I don't know. I think that's yeah, like weird. No, it's, <laughs> it's valid because there was a thing in, in a show that, that, um, they were like, oh, just so you know, she's pregnant, but she doesn't know it yet. So I'm like, I hate when that it? happens. I said, well, does the actor know that her character is going to be pregnant later in the season? <laughs> or am I going to, I'm not going to bring it up anyway, because she's not supposed to know, but if she brings it up, right. Cause it's not clear in the script. And it's only clear because you're telling me this, that she doesn't know yet. Cause in the next episode, I happen to know that she is pregnant, knows she's pregnant. So, you know, that may affect the way the actor plays the scene. Right. With the person that she's her partner, you know, is she hiding it from him that she's pregnant? Does she not know? Does she know and wants to tell him? I mean, that all those things, you know, if they're not on the page, which often they're not, it, I might have just shot it like a regular scene. In this case, she didn't know she was pregnant, so there was nothing to play there. But if it had been something like, oh, yeah, she knows she's pregnant. And yeah. actually in the meeting, they, the writer and the showrunner were discussing it. They were like, should she know? Or should she, do you think she knows now? <laughs> well, it's better if she doesn't know. I don't, yeah. And then you're like, this is not your meeting. <laughs> yeah. <is> my meeting. <laughs> but it's good that they at least thought well, about yeah. it instead of on set. By the actor saying, oh, do I know I'm pregnant? And then I have to go back to the monitor and say, right. Right, you know, she's pregnant. And then they sit around and talk about it for 10 minutes. And I'm like, I've got to shoot something. So let's let's do a take yeah. where she knows and a take where she doesn't. And so it just, the tone meeting kind of clears up a lot of those notes. And it's nice to have the first AD with you because she or he could. Um, oh, yeah. And kind of take the notes. And often I'll say to the AD and I remember in the tone meeting and cause I take notes throughout the, my whole script is just the tone meeting notes. And I'm like, I forgot. I'm, I remember them saying something. I didn't write it down. And the AD will say, Oh yeah, they're doing this. this they're supposed to be doing this or they, whatever it is. And then it's good for the editor. So when the editor's editing, they know yeah. what the tone of the scene is supposed to be. They're useful in comedies but they're normally more useful in a drama where the stakes are higher in terms of the dramatic storytelling. Right. Because there's not a lot of toning of a joke in a show. So, I mean, we did do them on Rutherford Falls and they were really helpful. And yeah. Especially since I was doing some early episodes in the season um, to know what was coming up and what the actors knew and didn't know. And, and what the characters knew and didn't know. So that, that was, 
they're always helpful. Some of them go on very long. I um, thought it was like a secret society little meeting that you guys. <laughs> no, I worked on a show with a showrunner I've worked with many times, and this person is famous for long tone meetings. Uh, the first Dave Mendel, uh, no, no, it's not no. Dave. Uh, the I don't know if it was the first show I worked on, but one of the shows I worked on with this person, the tone meeting was eight hours long. What? Did they write the whole episode while you were in there? For one hour of TV. I've not experienced it, but other people I've talked to, other directors have told me that they've been in very long ones where the showrunner acts out all the parts. (laughs) (laughs) It's like doing every part, and I have not experienced that. And I would... I, I really stuff. hope the answer to that question is Mike Schur. <laughs> yeah, that would be awesome. It's, he's still talking about Parks and Rec. He's right. Totally... He's just reenacting episodes yeah. of Parks and Rec in, in another show's tone meeting. <laughs> yeah. No, but uh, but it was it was long. And oh, I ate a couple of meals in there. It might have been six hours. I don't know if it was eight hours. It was very long. It was on a Saturday. I was on location. It was on a Saturday. <laughs> I was in wherever I was on location doing nothing anyway, but... But I just remember we were sitting around. It was all the people that were in. We were in Puerto Rico, and and so it was myself and the producers that were there, and I think the AD, and and they were so used to doing these that the camera was on me, kind of like a Zoom call, and and they were all off camera, and they were all like doing the crossword puzzle, and, and they sat through so many of these because the first <laughs> few hours was just talking about the actors and their characters and what the journeys are and. And it's like, you should just tape this and give it to the directors they can watch it in their hotel. Get this part fall asleep to every night. There's your yeah, prep. I, I will say that it was helpful. And there were times <laughs> when, when you were like, so much is stated that's the obvious, but then you get the stuff that's not the obvious stuff. And then you're like, thank God I had this meeting because I would never have known that. And it's made it so much better. So well, and he's a very funny person as well. So it was, it was a Oh, well, at least it was entertaining. Yeah, it was entertaining for sure. But they are they're really helpful. I'm gonna I'm gonna jump around a little bit and just like ask you a couple questions. Yeah. Do you think Cop Rock could be made today? And and like be just balls out Cop Rock. Like I think it would be awesome. Yeah. I mean I thought it was awesome at the time. Uh it was not well received as we know. Um I think somebody could try it again. I think you know, I, it would probably have a different approach to the music, uh, you know, of the time. I mean, look uh, at Hamilton. I feel like it yeah. could. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, for sure. No, I definitely think it could be done today. I think the, I think certain songs were very successful on that show and certain songs fell flat. I think the more comedic songs weren't as successful because the non-musical portion of the show was so dramatic. I mean, the show is NYPD Blue. Right. Set in Los Angeles, except the cops sing. They sing. So it yes. came before NYPD Blue. So that's where, where NYPD Blue grew from, this really gritty cop story. And was it Dana? Was it, was it Dana Bochco in that? No, am I getting the term? Uh Well, Barbara Bosson, who oh, Barbara Bosson, that's who it was. was Sorry, two at the time played the mayor of Los that's Angeles. That's what it was. Yeah, it was before he had married Dana mm. years later. But um, 
but yeah, Barbara Boston and this incredible again, much like Smash, incredible cast, incredible actors who yeah. can sing and dance, and and they did on that show something that was very important to Stephen and Greg Hoblet, who was the producer director on that show, um, was that all the vocals were sung live. So there were no, there was one pre-recorded song of the. Let's see, we did. How did you do that with sound and like? crazy so if you watch the show which is impossible to find but you can get clips online but i did (laughs) i mean you can hear them like hitting their chest you hear them hitting the microphone and and the opening scene of the first episode is uh is the cops bust down a door of a crack house and they're and there's like people scrambling around they arrest the main guy and as they're dragging him out he starts rapping it was brilliant. It was such a, it was, I loved the opening of that whole thing was spectacular. And you can hear him as he's being moved around, you can hear his clothing hitting his mic and the other cops who are singing behind him. And you hear, we shot it, you know, at night in LA and probably okay. Inglewood or something. And it, you hear all these sounds and we had, uh, the record plant, which is a recording studio here in LA has a mobile truck that's an 18 wheeler um that when they would do when Fleetwood mac would play at the forum they'd bring this truck and they would mix the show out of this truck Mm -hmm. do something out of this truck so it's like a mobile recording studio um and so we would bring that truck with us wherever we were on location and the actors were live mic'd and but wait, was that we had one wait, big wait. dance number in one episode that we couldn't do live vocals just because the dancing was so intense that the actors would have been out of breath. So, so we we did pre-record one, but the rest are all done live, and it was great. I that was a show where I learned a lot. Oh, that was yeah. my first producing. But wasn't gig. that so hard? I can't. I mean, you'd have to reset if like you didn't. Like as an actor and I'm singing, I feel yeah. like, oh, I didn't hit that note or I said this. I don't know. I would be like, uh. <laughs> yeah, but we did multiple takes and yeah. we edited between the takes and and you know we also did some. I mean that brings that show to a whole nother level. I I feel like well, people should know that. I know it's pretty incredible. Yeah, but you know a lot of movie magic behind the scenes where we would take this word from this take and put it in and you know much like you would do ADR right um but yeah but all the vocals were live it was crazy it was such a learning experience I didn't know that much about um music um live recording of music I had been an associate producer um or I'd been in an editing room prior to that that was my first associate producer credit but I'd been in an editing room quite a bit prior to that and so I knew about mixing and I knew about you know taking a song and just putting it into a movie or that or a score but I hadn't experienced anything like that and it it definitely I still use a lot of those tricks today well if you bring back cop rock I want on it because (laughs) cop rock meets smash yeah perfect (laughs) but like me but now it'd have to be like meet csi or yeah. like autopsy guy or something. Yeah. Oh, there's a whole autopsy scene. Why not? Yeah. Sounds good. Um, you worked on the Gary Shandling show, which 
had to be amazing, right? <laughs> like, yeah, uh, I did Larry Sanders. Larry or Larry Sanders. Sanders, sorry. Yeah. I mean, um, it was. That was the last time I produced a show that I – actually, the only time I've ever produced a show where I didn't direct. Um, I had – been directing a little while at that point not very long but mostly sitcoms and i was meeting at brillstein gray who was the production company of larry sanders but also news radio and just shoot me at the time they were they were the, yeah they were the big deal of sitcoms so i was meeting with them to kind of talk about signing some kind of overall deal with them to direct i two episodes of all their shows or three episodes of all oh, their shows except for Larry Sanders because it was its own its own thing and uh the person I was a couple people I was meeting with said well would you consider producing any of our shows because I had just come off being a producer director on a show and I said well you know I'm really trying to focus on just being a director I've been a producer director but I've never just been a freelance director and I want to be thought of as a director and not as a producer but look you know obviously larry sanders who would say no to that but you have a producer and it's going into its last year and but that would be very hard to say no to something like that and they said well the producer is moving on to another show we have that available if you want to meet with gary you know sure. you won't be able to direct they were very upfront that Gary did not want somebody who was looking to direct on the show. Hmm. Um, and so, you know, I said, wow, that'd be amazing. I'd love to. And I went home and was talking to my wife and, you know, my agents and whoever else I could talk to. And like, why wouldn't I want to do this? Tell me why I shouldn't do this. It's the greatest show on television. Yeah. Going into its last year. And I know. Uh, <laughs> So I, so I was like, of course I want to do this. So I met Gary and we hit it off and decided to hire me to do the show. And he actually ended up um, directing two or maybe three, I think two or three of the episodes, I think two episodes. He had never directed before. So I was able to kind of help him do that. And obviously he's acting in a lot of scenes. So I was on set and I was at the monitor and we'd play back for him to look at things and, you know, or he'd like check in and like, was that okay? And what do you think? And so that was, that was fun. It was nice to kind of be able to be there for him on that. And so I kind of vicariously got to direct through him, but uh, it was great. And then actually Judd Apatow directed, he was a writer on the show for many years and was a consultant that final season. He wasn't on the staff anymore. He was off doing some other things, but he did come back and direct an episode, and that was the first thing he ever directed. Oh, my so, gosh, that's great. Yeah. yeah, that's cool. The wife, as, like, they say, like, I don't know. I forget I forget who said that, but, like, unfortunately, you know, after he died, it's, like, Judd Apatow is, like, the grieving wife. Of, like, yeah, he's the grieving Going through stuff and making the documentary. And... I know. The documentary was brilliant. Oh, uh, I Oh my god, I cried. Honest, which is hard to do when you're so close to somebody and yeah. want to show them a way. And Judd was very honest about things, and it, it was cool. It was I really, really enjoyed it. It was, oh, nice it was to, beautifully to, done, uh, yeah. and such a tribute. And as a fan, just such a tribute to like yeah to get it was to amazing see all to be that. Around. I mean, it was a very difficult show, and it was a difficult year on that show, um, but just to be around it and just I've never worked on a show like that that was ever 
produced like that or shot like that or it was it was kind of a one of a kind i i don't know that you could i mean you could do the show today but you wouldn't produce it like that it was just insane we would rehearse for three days and then shoot the whole show in two days so was it scripted that's what i wanted to ask was it scripted or was Uh, it just it was scripted but there was a there was more leeway outline or was it no no it's scripted yeah yeah for sure uh there was more leeway than say what we're used to on like parks and rec where we call the last take on parks and rec was always called a fun run where you let the actors candy bag do whatever they want yeah yeah they can do whatever they want the camera's gonna find them they're gonna figure it out you know obviously the closer it relates to the story of the episode (laughs) more likely it'll get into the show but there were some pretty wild ones as we all know and and uh you know i i think larry sanders we we were a little more flexible with how things went although we did shoot the script but gary was there so much and gary oversaw or wrote you know almost every episode and so he would often stop and be like, ah, this doesn't feel right. This isn't working or after a rehearsal and be like, ah, you know, it wasn't quite our experience on Veep where things were getting rewritten, but that was the style of that show. And yeah. that's how they did the show. They built that yeah. into the show. They thrived. Um, I mean, Veep thrived on rewriting an entire scene just as we were about to shoot it. <laughs> and it yeah. worked I mean, and it's brilliant. It was always better. Yeah. I, there's not one joke I missed, one story I missed. It was always better. I do but, wish everyone got to see what we shot. I know. I mean, we shot like an hour long show. No, crazy. <laughs> so I feel like the fans really get, really get yeah. screwed on that one. Cause at least we got to yeah. read and be a part of all of that other funniness, which I, I don't, I've never been on a show that cut that much. Yeah, that was a lot of material. It was a lot. For sure. Uh, but yeah, but Larry Sanders was mostly scripted. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I uh, I love I love Gary Shandling, and I always I feel like it. There's that little like genius there, and I I don't I don't I've never worked I never worked on anything with him. I would assume that there's such a inner like. Oh, is this right? I don't, I don't, was he funny? Like, just to be around? Yeah. He or was, was he just so, it seems like he was just so uptight about it and wanting it to be perfection that he couldn't enjoy it. Yeah, I think by that point he was not enjoying it probably as much as he was when he first started. But he, yeah, he would drive himself crazy to make sure it was right. And again, another lesson learned and yeah. like having that kind of passion and, you know, when is there too much passion and when is there not enough? And, you know, he, he cared. And that's yeah. what was important in his show because you just wanted everything to be right. So I think that that was, you know, what made the show so good was he cared and he put it all, he put everything into put it. Everything um, you have 96 directing credits on IMDb. <laughs> Do you know that? Couple. <laughs> you have a couple. What do you think your hardest one was? Hardest show, um, I think Brave New World was probably the most difficult, but also one of the most enjoyable just because of creating new worlds. Mm. And it was a lot of visual effects. Almost every set had 
a green screen out of every window had a green screen out of it. Every time you shot outside, there was something that was going to be replaced or a ship flying in. And, and so the challenge, and I did some early episodes on that as well. I directed uh, episodes three and four and they didn't do a pilot. So it was right into the hmm. series. And, and uh, you know, everybody was still trying to figure it out and what is it, you know, they're doing this and they're like wipe, wiping their hand to, because they're seeing something through a contact lens they wear and they're wiping their hands and the showrunner and I who became very good friends on that, we we're like, is that, is, are they swiping too fast? <laughs> is it too slow? <laughs> you know, is it too big a motion? Should it just be a finger instead of a whole hand? And, and so, These are the conversations going on in Hollywood. Are we swiping yeah, too and, fast? And so we were like, I don't know. Let's have her try doing it where she swipes. She's looking, she's reading a newspaper and we don't know what the newspaper is going to look like. And, we're saying I, she should look towards the ceiling. I guess she's looking right in front of her, but oh, then we're having to look through it, make right. sure up, laying down. And so it was just every day was creating a world from scratch. And that was so exciting, but really hard. And we shot in, uh, we shot in Wales. Wow. And uh, yeah, which was great. I loved it there. Oh, uh, well. And, you know, <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. Nice. Yeah, yeah. I loved it there. It really? Was such... I got it. It's on the bucket list. I got to get there. Yeah, you got to go. It's so beautiful and the people are so nice. Uh, but when you shoot, I've shot a few things in Europe and every production I've ever worked, they shoot um, 10 hour days. So it's 10 hours from the time you get there until you leave. So if you start at eight in the morning at 6 p.m., you wrap. You don't wrap nice. at 601, you don't wrap at 605 to get any Ooh. extra time. You have to ask very early in the day. Like, I know I need these 15 minutes at the end of the day. You don't get an hour. You might get 10 minutes or 20 minutes max. And everybody kind of has to agree to it. It's a big, big deal. So they want you to shoot from your 10 hours, which includes what's called a rolling lunch, lunch which means you, you have a rolling lunch. So you don't break oh, for lunch. Right, French lunch or whatever Yeah, they call which it. is great. Yeah, you're shooting French hours, basically. Yeah. And it's... I prefer it because you don't break for lunch, which even though it's 42 minutes or 30 minutes or whatever it's, it is, it never is. And people are slow yeah. coming back and you have to wait for hair and makeup to get the actors made up again. And it's just, and it's kind of a momentum killer. I run yeah. on adrenaline. And so I've got all this adrenaline for six hours and then, okay, now I have to sit around for an hour and then I have to get all that adrenaline back to get the last six hours. So that was just another challenge of that show was I had X number of days. We did get extra days because we were only shooting 10 hours, but you know, you're getting towards the end of a day yeah, here. Pressure's on. Like, oh, I really want to make my day today, but you know, I may need an extra half hour and I call the producer and say, Hey, we're a little behind. I need this extra half hour. And most of the time it's gets approved and the crew's used to it. And nobody really complains that much about that. But there, when you've got two hours of work and an hour left, you got to start spinning. How am I going to shoot this in an hour? Right. That's what I have to do. And so it's just kind of this adrenaline, real adrenaline, just racing through you at all times, which is super challenging, but really. It's got to be exhausting. Crazy. That, But keeping up like that is exhausting. Yeah, it's it a lot. It breaks you but, down. Yeah, it does. But, you know, I would. But in a good way, it also makes you more creative in a sense. Like, I got to get this done. How creatively can I do it? Yeah, exactly. So it works All ways. the plans I came in with for this day, yeah. early end of this day, 
I now have to have another plan to get out of this. And I mean, the good news is then you're done at six o'clock if you start at eight and you've got a whole right. evening. You've got a whole evening to prep for the next day. Yeah. But you can see your family or you yeah. can or going to a tone stuff. meeting or <laughs> exactly. Roll into a tone meeting for another episode. Yeah. Um, but it just I would say that was probably the most challenging show I've directed, but I'm uh, really proud of both episodes I did. And I think the show was great and sadly did get picked up for more episodes. But my that... my husband watched it, so I have a I have an idea of it. I didn't I didn't I didn't focus on it, but it was on. Yeah, so I know what you're talking of, about, uh, but I didn't yeah. I didn't watch it, watch it, but I know what it yeah. is. <laughs> Recommended, I thought it was great. I and it's crazy. And then that was Netflix or that was uh, Peacock. Peacock. Yeah, that was Peacock's first original series. You think they just let it go? Well, what happened was that Peacock, it was just COVID actually is Mm. what kind of killed it, that Peacock was meant to launch with the 2020 Olympics. So the whole thing about Peacock was we're going to premiere with – all our hit NBC universal shows plus the Olympics. And then we have all these original shows world being one of them in the first one. So they were expecting these huge numbers as a launch for Peacock because of the Olympics and the Olympics were canceled because of COVID or postponed. And so they had a very soft launch. They, I don't think had, they didn't have parks and rec to begin with. Right. Or did they, I don't think they the did. Office. And they didn't have the they office. They, did. they didn't right, have the right. office at the beginning because the office was right. still on Netflix. So Netflix, they didn't acquire yes. it back till this past summer. Yeah, last year. Yeah. yeah. So so it just didn't get that big as a network, didn't get this giant push to start with. And it was a mostly British cast. I mean, definitely recognizable people. Um, yeah. And it just, I think it just didn't, get the publicity it needed to get eyes on it. And then it was super expensive and shooting in Wales and I'm sure, and some new people came into Peacock and I think they wanted to put their stamp on what the network was going to be. And so it just kind of fell to the wayside, which is, which is sad because an incredible group of people and so talented. When I, uh, when I was uh, starting to do Rutherford Falls, I didn't have Peacock. Cause, and I was like, well, what's, what's going on over here? And, um, I learned that Peacock is actually, or at the time, I don't, I don't know how you get this number, but, um, Disney was the number one downloaded like, uh, app for programming. And then Peacock was number two because everyone who gets Comcast and then whatever market you're in gets it, gets it. So that was kind of genius that they like, oh, and by the way, you get a free year of Peacock. So then everybody got it. And that's why everyone's rewatching The Office and like Parks and Rec. And (laughs) that was kind of a genius move away from that uh, Olympics. You own, uh, when you own the cable network too, you get get both those things. Are you watching anything right now that you uh, are inspired by? Hmm. Good question. I'm not watching a ton of TV right now. I'm just yeah. too tired. <laughs> no, I'm not. No, I'm not tired. I feel bad. It's like nine thirty. I know. <laughs> I, mean, I wish I had more time to watch TV. I'm trying to think what I've kind of. 
there's a show on Netflix called Money Heist that I've yeah. been watching from the very beginning. And so the last five episodes of the whole series came out a couple of weeks ago. So I started that last night when I have a... That's like one of their biggest series. I just Yeah, read. it's great. I think it's so well done and, and really, you know, creative and, and doing things in a different way. And You're not watching like, Secession? Uh, oh, yeah, sorry. I watched the session, but it's over. It ended last week. I know. Of course. You know what? I watched the last night. I watched, the le- treat every night, every I watched it last night, and I was like, wait, this wow. isn't the ending. It's crazy, right? I was like, this isn't the ending, right? There's one more. they got to give me one more. And I was like, oh. Uh, now we have to wait probably 18 months before we get another one. It was so good. It was so good. It's so, so fucked up. Yeah. That dick pic yeah. scene is hilarious. <laughs> Yeah. Hilarious. Absolutely. Because we've all sent texts to the wrong people. <laughs> right, exactly. But never a dick pic to your dad. So their faces were so brilliant. Yeah. yeah. I, I, yes, Secession definitely watched every episode this year and yeah. the last Sunday. So. I know. I don't. I feel like I don't watch that much either. I tend to want to watch. Weird. But I watch everything. I don't have to pay attention to unless I'm really in the mood to sit down and watch something like yeah. Secession where I can I've got an hour where I'm just going to sit and pay attention so I I tend to have a lot of cooking shows on just because they yeah. can just be up I watch Housewives yeah yeah it's exactly same thing. it's just kind of mindless and you can check in on it and but you know I definitely sample everything I always want to know what's happening and what shows are going on yeah. and you know I, I always catch up on the on the big stuff like Squid Game and you know, which I did enjoy. Squid and, Game was good. Yeah, so I, you know, I, yeah. I don't get too far behind, but it is hard, as you know, with kids and work and. Because well, there's because you got in a sense too. You have to, uh, you still got to at least us. I feel like we got to keep this water cooler sort of conversation going about projects like a Squid Game or something like. Hey, did For you sure. see that? Like, wow, look what they did, or how yeah. they do that, or where was that from? Never heard of it. What are you yeah, talking about? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Probably yeah. not going to go far, go very far. Yeah. But, but yeah, I, yeah, you have to. But I try to, you know, I definitely sample everything, and I try to just, you know, in the ones that I can stick with, because it's something attracts me to it, I, I, I end up, uh, you know, looking forward to watching it. And then if I'm directing something new, I end up trying to watch as much of it as I can. I mean, especially if it's a show that's only done a couple of seasons, I'll watch every episode, so... Do they send you seasons, or do you have to, like, buy Peacock, or, like, do you have to, like... I have Peacock, yeah. but I'm sure I have Peacock and say, hey, Morgan, I need... Uh, hey, Morgan, episodes. what's your code? Yeah, right, can you uh, hook me up? I asked him. At first, I was yeah. like, he goes, well, you know, they give you two free. I go, okay, well, then, I what, am I just going to watch you two? your other one, Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so normally I have it, but if I didn't, they would send me things, but nice. normally, normally I have it. Um, and also, as a director, if you are if you come in and direct episode five, they will send you any, like, rough cuts of ones in that season? Usually, yeah, sometimes they try? I get, I get all the scripts, for sure. Oh, and then yeah, depending yeah. on where they are in post, um, they'll, they'll send me... Um, they normally don't send me anything before... Uh, network cut hmm. they don't send me director's cuts which i probably wouldn't send somebody a director's cut either it's not fair to the directors and um but yeah so i tend to watch all that i definitely read every script for the season prior to my episode um and 
on a sad note, the Looming Tower episode of 9-11 that you did, that yes. had to be rough. <laughs> that had to be rough. rough. It was rough. That was a show. That's That series is the show I'm most proud of. I mean, for many reasons. It just was an incredible story. It was a story that needed to be told. It was very moving. Uh, you know, we shot all over the world. We shot in six different countries. We oh, shot God. New York and South Africa and Morocco and London. And we had a, a little splinter crew that we hired to work in Pakistan and oh, wow. uh, Montreal. Where else did we shoot? We shot all over. Um, but the 9-11 episode was, yes, very moving, very difficult. We shot in New York City. Um, everybody on the crew had lived through it in the city mm. and uh, for the most part. And I had called the studio to say we were shooting um, a scene in front of what was going to become our World Trade Center. Obviously, it wasn't there anymore, but we found an exterior that worked well enough for us to then visual effect in the building and the, all the sculptures and make it our, our version. And it was a very moving day. And, and so I had called the studio a few days before and said, look, you know, we, I want to say something before we start shooting. And I also want to know that if some, we've got some support if people are like having a hard time. Cause that afternoon yeah. we we're doing a scene where one of the characters is walking down a deserted street. He's completely covered in ash and papers are flying and he'd clearly been in the building searching and it was really hard. <laughs> and Bill camp was the actor who was phenomenal and, and such a good sport about it. And, and so I just said at the beginning of the day, I said, look, you know, we're going to be shooting some scenes today that are going to be harder than some of the stuff we've done. And if anybody wants to talk to somebody, we will provide somebody. If you feel like you can't stay today, we understand. If you're moved, you need to leave or whatever it is, or if you want to just talk, yeah. I'm available. And I spent the whole day hearing everybody's stories about oh. what they <laughs> did and what happened to them on 9-11 and it was the most beautiful day i oh, oh. loved it yeah i mean it was hard and people were sharing that you know i was shooting in the city and my kid was in school in brooklyn and i couldn't get across the bridge because there were so many everybody had their story or vice versa their kid was in the city and they mm -hmm. weren't and but everybody on that show knew what we were trying to do and rallied around that and it definitely showed in that show i mean it was and in particular that episode it was really really beautiful and mm. you know we shot the show in a certain way as to not glorify any of the violence we never showed any of the actual events the three or four events that happened throughout the series you never saw the buildings being brought down we you know did it all just before and just after and it was hard to work on but yeah so rewarding because just the stories that i heard from people and and the story we were telling which was most important i would think directing something like that that 
it's not like um, like if you directed like the C word. Well, not all of us have had cancer, right. but all of us were alive at that time. And yeah, everybody has a story. And yeah, and you do. You want to share it because we all experienced it. We all want to. And and as a director, I would assume that you're taking all that in to either use or not use or. You know, it all has to be helpful. Yeah, I mean, more just to be useful, you know, to just feel like if somebody wants to share that and they're willing to share with me just to be a good listener and, you know, just, yeah, it's just, it was, we were a really tight crew. It was an incredible group of, of, actors on that show who were, it was a very serious show, even on dramas, you're always kind of joking around off camera and, and this just wasn't that kind of show. I mean, people had a good time and everybody enjoyed being there and it it wasn't hard in any way, but you didn't feel like joking around. Right. I mean, Jeff Daniels is amazing and I've worked on a couple of series with him and he likes to stay on set and he plays the guitar just like off to the side, you know, he goes to his, the room that's set aside for the actors and he brings a little guitar and he plays, he's like picking and he's kind of a, you know, he's, he, he's just uh, there to do the work and serious and, but it just wasn't a show where you wanted to sit around and joke around. With right. Thanks. Right. You know, but we had fun, but it was, it was, it was hard. I mean, yeah. in shooting in South Africa, we were there for, six weeks and then we were in Morocco for, well, I was, I get, we shot for. Were you cross boarding? Were you, cause you did three episodes. Were you doing. Yeah. So what we did was, um, cause I produced the series as well. We shot the first five in New York and then all the international pieces for the first five, uh, we shot in South Africa. So we went to South Africa and shot all the pieces for those five episodes. Plus, a few scenes that we knew were coming up in the second half, uh, right. mostly in the episodes that I was directing. So I just directed those scenes and I directed some scenes from, from other episodes as well, just because of the nature of being in South Africa and having to shoot so much. Then we came back from South Africa to New York and we shot the New York por- portions of the final five episodes and then went to Morocco and shot, mm-hmm. um, uh, I think I was there for 10 weeks and I think we shot oh maybe five weeks, five or six weeks. How um, long was the whole thing? I mean, I think it was 10 episodes. It was 10 episodes and we shot from, let's see, I think maybe April to September. Wow. And then we came back. Well, while we were in Morocco, we decided to add um a piece to the first episode the opening of the first episode was not in the original script and through editing and notes and just kind of thinking about things Mm. we decided to add uh, a piece to the first episode so while we were in morocco thinking we were wrapping up the show (laughs) uh i literally remember sitting in the hotel (laughs) talking to the production designer and we were like, well, we, the writer and I came up with an idea for what the opening should be. And we were 
like sitting around in the hotel bar talking about what the opening is going to be. And we kind of wrote it out and we sketched it out and we sent it to the other showrunner who was in New York and said, what do you think of this? And he was like, oh, let's do this, this, and this. And we kind of just figured out what we wanted it. And so I, it was, it was just kind of a chase. The whole beginning is a chase. And, and so I called the production. But a designer. great beginning to a show to keep the adrenaline of that. Like, yeah, it was moment. kind of like, it, it used to start with, somebody walking down a hallway at the CIA with this package and then they walk into Peter Sarsgaard's office and they go, we got it. And they show this hard drive and, and you kind of knew what the hard drive was from what they were talking about, but it was like, well, why don't we see them get the hard drive? Mm. That was kind of a note that we all came up with. And so that's what it ends up being. And, uh, and so I said, call the production designer, uh, Lester Cohen, who's phenomenal. Amazing. Yeah. And, uh, he also did American Rust uh, that I did. And uh, so I said, Lester, come meet me in the bar at <laughs> the hotel. And it's like, I'm already here. No, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. So I said, well, where, yes, do you think we can shoot this in Casablanca? Because we thought, well, maybe we'll just keep rolling. It took place in Eastern Europe. So he was like, we might be able to. I don't know. Let's go. So... So I said, all right, well, I think it was midweek or whatever. I said, all right, Saturday, let's fly to Casablanca for the day, have our location scout, tell them what we want, see if we can do it. We went there about four hours into scouting. We're like, we're not seeing anything that feels like Eastern Europe. Let's go have a nice meal. <laughs> let's go back to Agadir where we were staying and went back and just chatting. And I was like, where can we shoot this thing? Where can we shoot this thing? The studio wanted us to shoot it in Eastern Europe and we're like, we're coming back from having shot for however many months and we're going back to the States and I don't really want to get on a plane in three weeks again and go to yeah. West and scout and figure it out. And, and Lester said, you know, I shot in old Montreal. I shot something there a few years ago and it looks just like Eastern Europe. Let's get a scout and have somebody look there. And, and it was perfect. So we oh. ended up, uh, nice. Lester and I flew after a couple of weeks back in the States, we flew to Montreal and scouted for four or five days and found kind of the whole route we were going to do for this chase scene. And, and then, uh, oh, that worked out. And, yeah. And then about three weeks later we flew there and, and shot it. So, excuse me. So it was, it was a, a journey. Isn't it funny how you just start using your like memory of like, wait, I've been, I've done this before. <laughs> like, yeah. we've done, I've done this or I've, I've seen this scene somewhere else and maybe I can draw from it or yeah. where did they shoot there. that? <laughs> yeah, I've no. been there. I see it in my head. I've been that, to that place or I've been on that location to that location and you read something you're like, oh, I know what we need. We, oh, I know. I've been there. I shot there five times. It's yeah. the perfect piece. Like the... Altadena Country Club that we shot at. Yeah. Like, <laughs> well, yeah. I know where we're going. We're going to, I read the script. I was like, we're going to the Altadena Country Club. That's yeah. the place you shoot country clubs in LA. So. I think if someone really watched uh, like Parks and Rec and Veep and now, <laughs> <laughs> now Brother Falls, you'd see the same. And, and Good Place. Good Place yeah. where there was a lot. You would, I think it's a, it's a tribute to like these locations that you can go back to and make them look like different things. Yeah, like I'm whatever. always like, okay, now it's an old age home. Now yeah. it's a teenage party. Now it's yeah. like, <laughs> yeah. Totally. Uh, <laughs> uh, how is directing American Rust? Cause that's 
one of the last things that you've done recently, right? Yeah, it's one of the more recent things I've directed. Uh, great. It was the kind of putting the team back together from Living from Tower. Tower. It was the two showrunner writers. That's uh, always, that's nice. I mean, it's got to yeah. feel comfortable as a director because you, you're confident in them and they're confident in you. But yeah, it was, there's a shorthand there that makes yeah. things a lot easier. And even with the actors, Jeff Daniels again and Bill Camp again and um, who are phenomenal two of the best i've ever worked with and so the whole group and john Dahl ended up being the producer director on that show who directed two episodes of living tower and we became friendly there so we kind of reversed roles where mm -hmm. i was the producer director there he was the producer director there and on american rust and it's really it shot beautifully it's really yeah. beautifully yeah, shot yeah john grillo is the director of photography who i worked on uh, preacher with yeah. And uh, he's super talented. Just again, Lester Cohen was the production designer. It was, so it was, it was a lot of people I knew and had worked with before and you know, totally different story than anything I've done, but uh, really rewarding. And I had never shot in Pittsburgh before and oh, nice. really enjoyed that experience. And I mean, that's one of the great things about what we do. So we I know. Travel, go okay. cool places and, I know. and uh, you know, Pittsburgh was great. So. I've been to Albuquerque. <laughs> is there anything is there any like great movie that you wish you directed or great show like a vintage show i remember when when uh sex in the city was on the first go round. i really wanted to direct that show really? obviously everybody did it was a huge hit but i just felt like i could see that show and I could see me directing that show and that uh, is an awesome show. answer Craig yeah <laughs> <laughs> I think it's because it was the I, time I mean people have like, said people have said like Citizen Kane right, yes. The Godfather I wasn't going to go with a movie a movie there are a million movies I wish I had directed yeah. I was a director for the most part and but that's just, amazing because it was attainable right <laughs> No, it was like I was just at that point. In my right, career, you could have had, you could have done it. Shows yeah, and, you know, yes. Would I have loved to direct The Sopranos? <laughs> yes. Would I have loved to direct a million movies? You could have done Sopranos. Well, I don't think I don't think aspirational versus like there's actually a could have could have happened. Yeah, but I think you could have directed Sopranos. Oh yeah, for sure. That's for not sure. that wasn't that's not out of the realm. You could have directed no. Sex and the City. Yeah, definitely. No, I could have directed all these shows. Yes. But <laughs> Sex and the City, I wasn't quite there yet in terms of my uh, late nineties. I think you could have done it. Yeah. Oh, I could have done it. Yeah. I have enough confidence to think I could have done it at least, but, but I wasn't at that point in my career. In the beginning. Did you see the first two of uh, and just like that? I did. Did you? Yeah, I, uh, it was interesting. Yeah. It's... It was not what I was expecting. No. I, I, I mean, I cried. I wasn't expecting no. that. <laughs> no, I was expecting kind of more of the old show, but I'm glad that they made a choice to just not replicate what they've um, done for Totally with you. I'm, I think we've all, I don't know, or older. <laughs> no, and I felt like that. I mean, and that's that those actors, it. and yeah. I felt like they had lived a life over the last 20 years. Yeah. I had not seen movies, but... Um, the movies aren't good. Don't watch yeah, the movies. Yeah, I felt like they had moved yeah. their lives the way we all have. So it was cool. Yeah, yeah I'm, I'm 
pleasantly surprised and so glad that it's not the same and and has evolved i'm with you i think that was that was really good um well i don't know we did like two hours thank you (laughs) cut it down to (laughs) i don't cut anything (laughs) i don't have an editor no i edit no no i do (laughs) i do edit i always gotta cut it down like a beep episode this should be like oh my god i could never I always feel bad, like, because it, I always think, like, um, more or less uh, people who want to get into this industry are maybe hopefully listening to this. Yeah. And to cut, like, something that might reach to someone or just ting yeah. someone, I don't, and because I, I, I just feel like it's all valuable. Like it's sure. some, it, uh, all of our experiences are valuable for anyone who has interest in this who wants to do this, good or bad, it's valuable. <laughs> As you can see, I probably could have talked to him for another hour. Um, and I didn't even get to talk about Veep or Parks and Rec. But I, I just appreciate the time that he gave me. So informative about directing and I hope any um, aspiring directors out there really listen to what he said and and how he got started is still uh, amazing to me. I just love that story. Um, I do want to say I appreciate you for listening and giving me your time these past uh, this past year and I hope you have a safe and healthy new year. And I know you got a new fall. I'm Kim Wanup for Decorating Pages. Float into the new year in style with a Stogie Floaty Luxury Pool Float. Available now on Etsy and stogiefloaty.com.